This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Support for MPB comes from Trustmark, offering a range of mortgage, affordable housing, refinancing, and construction financing options designed to serve the needs of its customers. More info at trustmark.com slash mortgage. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here along with Dr. Nancy Lotter-Janderson, President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Tapp, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Nancy and Ryder are both chartered financial analysts. Ryder also holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. The concept of creating an income from short-term tasks has been around for a long time. The gig economy is very broad and encompasses workers who are full-time independent contractors, consultants, and people who moonlight several hours a week at various jobs, just to name a few. So today we'll have some suggestions on additional income options to give you, but that's just our side gig because we're always looking for your personal finance questions. So give us a call this morning. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can email the show as well. Just send it to money at mpbonline.org. So good morning uh, to you both. Hope you're doing well this morning. Good, good morning. morning. You know, Kevin, I really like that you highlighted our side gig is is giving out this information, but our main task is answering folks' questions because that really is, I think, the, the most enjoyable and important part of, uh, of what we do. So do call in. Do call in. That's right. And just a reminder that we do try to come up with interesting topics to fill time, but we're always looking for your personal finance questions. So if you have one, don't ever feel like it's off topic or whatever. If you need something uh, answered that deals with personal finance, that's why we're here to help and you And sometimes out we just talk nonsense, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it's fun nonsense usually, it is. so that's a good it thing. Is. It's hopefully educational. And you educational. were just telling us something that you did, which I think is interesting because there's an historic element to it. Yes. Uh, went to uh, the beach this weekend to visit my brother. We went to Fort Walton Beach on Saturday and went to the Golfarium. It's kind of a, a similar to uh, SeaWorld kind of thing. Uh, they had the dolphin shows and that thing. It also had a number of uh, displays with sharks and penguins and that kind of thing. Anyway, it's been around since 1955. That's amazing. Yeah. And so, I, I like I say, I, I, we lived there in the early 70s. I remember it being there. Uh, it's changed a lot, obviously, but it was fun to try to figure out, you know, what was the original part of the uh, of the display and how they've expanded. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, and it was great weather, so uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to heading back down there probably next month. Uh, again, always. Well, it's getting to be summertime. Yes, And yes. Uh, school is winding down, uh, not quickly enough for some of those <laughs> elementary kids. But um, And so everybody's starting to plan vacations, and we're looking at gas prices going up even more than they already have. That's going to push those prices, uh, but that also means people are going to be spending money. That's good. All right, also, moral dilemma here. Uh, so I went to buy a new beach chair. And uh, it was on the price tag. I think it was like $60. So I took it up there. The guy did the little scan thing. And he says something like, it's $42, right? <laughs> Dilemma. 
What do you do? Say yes I'm or say why no. why you spend $60 for a beach chair. Yeah, well, man. It's the going rate for them. It's a nice one. It's, the <laughs> it's, a, it's a market economy, Nancy. <laughs> Is that it? <laughs> Supply and demand. See, I used to have the one that has the little short legs, but as you get older, it's harder yes, to get out of your right. beach chair. You're right. You so need I help. needed to graduate. Especially with sand. <laughs> to the one that has the taller legs. Plus, you know, it's got the little thing on the side for your uh, your cell phone. So, But anyway, so the moral dilemma is if, if someone says the price is wrong or that you think that they've got it wrong, do you say, no, no, I'm sorry, it says $64 on here? Or do you just nod your head and say, yes, that's right? Well, you I know, always look at it as... If it had gone the other way and he had said, oh, it's 72, you certainly would have spoken yes, up, right? right. So you should speak up either way. I will. All right. Well, <laughs> you know, I would expect that the retailer has more information about what price they're willing to sell than you do. So you could look at it that way. I'm going to jump and, in. I went and bought uh, a hat last night. Oh, don't tell my daughter whose birthday is tomorrow. Anyway, uh, it was on the $10 clearance rack, but it rang up $5 because it was on sale and he had just forgotten to mark it. So the computer knew. Well, uh, that's a good point because I think he, I think he did try to attempt to scan the, the thing. And again, I, th- I thought the same as Liz. Sometimes maybe this is a sale, you know, preseason sale or whatever. So you so kept your mouth shut, right? I, I, I certainly yeah. did because um, I didn't want to pay sixty dollars for a You're morally bankrupt. <laughs> yeah, I mean that was my thought. What Liz said is, I mean, there's often sales discounts and stuff, and it doesn't necessarily they don't put it on every single tag necessarily. So. If that's what it goes for, that's what it goes for. The sad part is I saw the same kid with a little, we'll work for food sign. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, he, I don't think he, he lost no. his job or anything. Anyway, okay. Uh, so what about financial news oh, in the boy. news? Well, we've got several things going on. The, the big news is that uh, first Friday of each new month, we get the numbers on the uh, jobs that have been created the previous <coughs> month and our unemployment rate. And uh, so that will be Friday morning, and we're expecting to still stay around 3.9%, very low. Um, so we are also right in the mm, first third of of uh, earnings season, and so that's kind of just it. Just so happens that a lot of uh, companies they're they're release their earnings. It kind of clusters around the same time, just because you know they finish up with the first quarter about the same time, you know, same day, uh, and so they <clears throat> take a little time getting their financial information together. And a couple of notable reports so far. Um, Google, obviously, huge company. We use it probably every day. Uh, their revenue is down, I believe. I haven't dug into all these, so I may be misquoting some of these. But there was a little disappointment on their advertising revenue. Um, of course, can you kind of keep in mind, this is a tech company. They can experiment with things every day. You know, If they notice over a couple of days that a new thing they tried with their ads isn't working, they can try something new. Um, one big positive is... Uh, looks like I saw MasterCard. Uh, folks are running their cards more and more I, and more. I don't know that that's a positive. Uh, well, uh, you know, part of it is part of it's consumer spending, which we do care about and right? we do look at. But then we a have big to, part of it is that people are letting that balance well, well, roll over. So I haven't dug into that. If, if you have, then, yeah. you know, that's important. But, you know, we also like to see that they're paying those cards off, not just spending the money. Um, and, and our earnings, we're, we're getting, there are some positive ones, but even the ones that are producing still increasing earnings 
we're starting to see some erosion of their sales, their revenue. And so we do see some slowing down. And this with Google was certainly um, an attention grabber. Uh, just a weird question. Um, does a MasterCard issue debit cards? Like I said, my debit card is branded as a Visa card. Mm-hmm. Does MasterCard? Yeah, so uh, MasterCard and Visa, they are the network. Um, and it's just, just whose who's network are the transactions running over. Uh, so that's, that's, that's the role MasterCard and Visa play. Because um, in, a, in a credit or debit card transaction, there are three parties. There's your bank, who has to send the money to the uh, store's bank, and they have to do it over somebody's network. And there's three major networks. There's MasterCard, uh, Visa, and American Express. American Express, the reason why they're so exclusively expensive is because they are also the bank on either side. Um, and so you can get a debit card from your Trustmark bank, and it works over the Visa or MasterCard network to put money in your retailer's region's bank. And gotcha. that's, that's, that's where everyone's accounts and, and network is. I just, just a thought, because if, you if you're measuring swipes, would that not also include then some debit cards, which would be some bit of a silver mm-hmm. lining, because that's yeah. not credit being... Uh, well, that's spending, which right. does... Yeah. Yeah, boost yeah. the economy, yeah. uh, but I do wonder. I, I would love to see those numbers about um, because I, we have been seeing an increase in the amount of credit that we are maintaining, and that's mm-hmm. a little concerning. All right, before our first break, let's uh, get a call in and talk to Terry, who's listening in Tupelo this morning. Good morning, Terry. You're on the air with us. Hey guys, I just wanted to clear up any confusion that you guys might have about barcodes and pricing on a tag that's out in front of an item. Okay. I worked for a major POS company for years, and when they bring those items in the back door, they scan them in, and they go into inventory. Mm -hmm. Uh, That price that you scanned on that barcode from that scanner is the correct price. Whatever the sign says, that could be human error. Always the barcode is correct. Okay. And they are they are legally uh, bound to give you the price that the barcode scans. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's a legal thing. Hmm. And uh, it's funny, California is the first state that started this, but if you have a store of so many square feet and you don't have each individual item priced, like a little price tag on mm-hmm. each one, uh, you have to have those scanners in the store, mm-hmm. and they have to be separated by so many feet. So, anyway, just always uh, the barcode wins. Interesting, Wait, Terry. Before we, so you, I make sure I heard you correctly. So, the, the scanner you're talking about, the one where you can bring the item up there and scan the barcode, and it tells you how much the price is. That's correct, and the reason for that is uh, the fact that that customers would not know what the individual price is because sometimes the barcodes right. don't have prices on them. Yep. Okay. And so, unless you're going to price out every single item in the store, you know, by putting four ninety nine or whatever on it, um, you have to have a scanner, and it has to be so many feet apart. 
uh, are so many scanners in a store based on the square footage. Okay. Interesting. And I, I loved it when that law passed because I made a lot of money off it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Terry, thanks for the call. Yeah, some good information there. I will say, though, I'm not sure there's something in the law that says the scanner has to work, a.k.a. Walmart. Uh, but uh, you can also, though, is go up and they all have that little handheld thing. Mm-hmm. But I agree because I, I... I think you've been let off the hook. That's <laughs> what I think. Well, that's why I'm all for it. Uh, but I, also, it's interesting because the, it seems more and more there are not prices on individual things. And then what happens in a lot of the big box retailers is I come along and I look at something and I put the box back. Well, I put it on the wrong shelf. So the next person thinks it's this price when actually it's another price. Okay, here's my problem. Okay. Now, a lot of the registers are set up so that you cannot see the items as they come through. And I like to see the items as they come through because you can often say, hey, that was on sale and it did not pick up. And uh, many times it's only when they, they get to the end and then you're in the spot of now I have this transaction. Do I stop everything and look at every single price? Uh, Self check. That'll solve that problem. Well, not every place has self check. Well, that's true. You can't I mean, do that at the Shell station. <laughs> but I agree with you that I like to be able to see in Kroger, especially because a lot of times there's there's sales or whatever they miss, and I'm the same way. You want to? I I sometimes will, you know, jump in the and, middle. And of it. you want to catch the ones that you want to keep quiet about too, right? <laughs> right? Time for our first break. When we get back, we'll dive in to the gig economy, what it's all about, and also uh, looking for your personal finance questions this morning. Uh, the phone number is one eight. Seven seven MPB ring. It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We've got suggestions for additional employment today as we talk about the gig economy throughout the show. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. Listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lotridge Anderson, Dr. Nancy Lotridge Anderson, President of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. We're making suggestions for additional work or side gigs to supplement your income. A lot of these that we'll be talking about came from an online article our producer Liz Gill found at balance.com. And we're having a moral crisis. That's right. We are trying to decide whether if you notice that someone is undercharging you, uh, whether you have an obligation to tell the retailer uh, that what the real price is. And I think it's uh, two to one against that, but Nancy is well, holding strong. Well, I think everything's negotiable. And if, if they want to negotiate poorly on the come out. Phew. Actually, that's real quick here. That was a story once on um, 
on all things considered, I think where some guy goes and everywhere he goes, he asks if there's anything he can get a discounter for free. And a lot of times he gets stuff. And a friend of mine does the same thing. I have a little trouble. <laughs> I don't ask for it out front, but if they give me a, a discount somehow, I'm certainly all for it. Anyway, we have a caller on the line. So let's talk to David in Horn Lake. Good morning, David. You're on the air with us. Uh, good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. I guess I'm blessed. I've got a little bit of money that um, I don't need right now. It's only getting a quarter of percent interest oh, on it. Oh, my, my goodness. My question to you is, uh, where is the best place to move? money that you can uh, get a higher interest rate return that would be safe and fairly secure and whatnot, and um, uh, that maybe I could leave it for one to two years. Well, right now, you should be getting at least 2% on even just a money market out there. And, Ryder, what are we seeing on CDs? Um, CDs, even just uh, for, starting from, you know, maybe half a year out into a couple of years, uh, you're seeing 2 to 3% as well. Uh, can you make any recommendations? Because from what I've seen, just in just casually looking, most of them have got super fine print. You got to tie in with a checking account or direct deposit. No, not now. Uh, some of them absolutely do, but uh, what I always encourage folks just to look at bankrate.com. It's a website that kind of aggregates all of the banks, uh, online banks, brick and mortar banks all around the country. Um, you know, so you're looking at FDIC insured. That's going to get that safety you need. It's going to have access to, you know, you know, being able to move the money electronically. Um, sometimes, you know, if you want it, you know, they may have checking available. They may also have CDs available if if you do want to, you know, kind of, you know, get that get that higher rate for uh, with a little bit of a lockup. Um, so we encourage folks to look at bankrate.com. Um, there's often a bunch of and just because we didn't, you know, these deals, you know, whatever they're they're offering, you know, they change up, you know, every all the time, every day. Yeah, so. that's true. Um, also understand that a year ago, we did see some of those constraints that you're talking about. Oh, you couldn't get that higher rate unless you had so many debit card um, transactions go through unless you kept a certain amount, but there was a limit on the amount. Those have kind of dissipated at this point. And again... Yeah, they want your money. You know, a, a decent money market with all kinds of flexibility. You can find online banks and even some of the local banks paying two that should be your guide right now. Uh, one more quick question. Online, like the Internet banks or online banks, how safe? I mean, I've never done it they're, before. How, how safe are they? They're very safe. They also are FDIC insured, mm-hmm. and you will notice, you should notice that on their website, which means you are protected up to 250000 mm-hmm. And um, I have no concern about it. I use them myself. Yeah, and, and one thing, if you do like to have a brick-and-mortar bank to go to, but, you know, you just find your local banks in your town, they're just not offering the rate you want. You can keep, you know, a, a checking account, a savings account at your local brick and mortar bank and just use that online bank. Uh, you know, you can set it up to move money electronically. All you need to have um, is is both your bank account numbers and the routing numbers of those individual banks. And you can set up an electronic link and just move money. It takes, you know, usually happens overnight or a couple of days. But uh, you can do that. So you have the convenience of I'm able to pop into the bank, deposit my checks, uh, you know, 
get the get the peppermint at the front door, uh, etc. But they charge a fee for that for the peppermints. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, sometimes. The, I mean, if I go to brick and mortar uh, a bank and I'm not giving them my, I'm shifting money or no, business away no, them, typically, charge- typically not. Uh, I will point out that you know a savings account, anything marketed as a savings account, has some restrictions on how much you can move money back and forth. But I mean, it's like it's like you can move money in and out like six times a month. That's just that's a national regulation. And, and I will say to you, I don't keep a local savings account. We have a local checking account, and then I use an online bank for my savings, and that is an online money market. It's earning over 2% right now, and I can, uh, as Ryder said, it's attached to my local checking account. It's easy for me to bounce it back and forth. All right, David, uh, thanks for your call. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. We've been talking about uh, side gigs this morning, but also looking for your personal finance questions. Uh, we've had a couple of good calls already this morning, and we have some open phone lines. If you want to work in your call at one eight seven seven mpb ring it's one 672 7464 You can email the show as well. Send it to money at mpbonline.org. So what is a gig economy? According to whatis.com, a gig economy is a free market system in which temporary positions are common and organizations contract with independent workers for short-term engagements. The term gig is a slang word meaning a job or spe- for a specified period of time, usually associated with musicians. Examples of gig employees in the workforce can include freelancers, independent contractors, project-based ba- workers, and temporary or part-time hires. Also recently on Marketplace, that's the money show heard on MPB Think Radio, weekday evenings at 6 The European Parliament passed a law establishing basic rights for workers in the gig economy. Uh, The law requires companies to pay when work is canceled last minute or for mandatory training. It also bans exclusive clauses, which prevents freelancers from gigging for other companies. Mm. So sort of just uh, maybe additional or original uh, thoughts on the gig economy. And and maybe it sounds like it's been around long enough and is is, uh, morphing into something that they're going to try to maybe uh, more rules and regulations? Well, I I think it's been around for a long time. My problem right now is that a lot of corporations are taking advantage of that, and uh, it's certainly cheaper for them to have those contract employees versus employees that are full-time where they have to pay benefits and they have to pay them all the time. So they're just paying for that labor when they need it, and that's a huge advantage. And I think there should be some protections because you have to think about, you know, health insurance here in the U.S., over 60% of us depend on our health insurance coming through our employer, um, any kind of vacation time, um, any kind of uh, retirement plan, mm-hmm. and also just paying into your Social Security. That's a big deal. Yeah. So, uh, you know, one big difference to kind of take a step back with a gig employee or a independent contractor is, is that, that, you know, when a company hires you in general, if they hire you and they pay you regularly, you show up regularly, they have some obligations to you. And, you know, part of that is, you know, pay you on time. And if they say they're going to offer benefits, offer those benefits, a safe work environment, et cetera. Um, with independent contractors, companies can get rid of a lot of those obligations. Like they, they don't, you know, they're not there making sure you're in a safe work environment because, you know, you could be working from anywhere. You could be, you know, out on the road. You could be at your house, etc. They're not paying. There's a lot of taxes they're not paying for you. So what you don't realize, what people often don't realize with their paycheck is that um, that Social Security and Medicare tax, the FICA uh, bits, um, 
it's about seven or eight percent of your paycheck and uh and it automatically goes out there's no way you can get around that unless you make you know over the limit um but your employer also pays that same amount for you. And so that's seven or eight percent that, you know, so that's a total of about 15 percent that you are now responsible for. And so, you know, someone might say, hey, you know, we're going to give you, um, you know, $10,000 uh, to do this job, you know. OK, well, you have to think that's fifteen hundred dollars of taxes straight off the top you're you're not going to be able to uh and you're get going out to have of. to pay right if you report as a self-employed person yourself right so part of that so that makes that job you know they're only act you're you're only going to get eight eight thousand five hundred from that job whereas if you are a salary or you know w-2 employee then you would get you know what like uh ninety ninety two fifty or something we have some open phone lines. If you have a question about the gig economy, or if you want to comment on that, or a personal finance question for us this morning, the number is one eight seven seven MPB ring. It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Send an email to money at mpbonline.org. I think that might be something a lot of people don't realize is when you have these side gigs, you are responsible for making sure that all the taxes exactly, get paid. exactly. All right. Uh, we're, I think later in the hour. We're going to take up uh, the, the that again the old idea of trying to regulate and and make some definitions uh, on what a, an employee is and that sort of thing. But let's maybe talk about a couple of these side gigs uh, before that time. The first one on our list is uh, a rideshare or delivery driver. Uh, any thoughts? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I've said this before. To me, if you live in a large metropolitan area, I don't think I would want to be an Uber driver because I think, especially every visiting Atlanta, the traffic is just nightmare. It yeah, is, but that's where the business is. Right, yeah. yeah. Because no one else wants to drive in that traffic. Exactly. Right, and there are more people there. <clears throat> right. And also tourists. And, you know. Yes. Yeah, so that I mean that's where you, exactly they make a lot of um, you know probably have a lot more employees than in Jackson where you know it's they have they have work on the weekend you know busy times whenever there are big events and there's a lot of people from out of town and then when people are going out on the weekends um, but otherwise it's you know some small business from uh, people who just need a little extra transportation help them. The other c- category in this that's becoming big is the whole delivery you know DoorDash mm. GrubHub that sort of thing um, and I'm just saying from the consumer point of view, especially on a fast food place, if you're paying for somebody to bring you a hamburger or a taco, I think you're oh, going to pay a lot more money for it than you normally Well, and, and here again, these are very popular in urban settings because right. you have more restaurant <clears throat> options. And I know when I have uh, visited my daughter in Philadelphia, it's just, you know, it's time for dinner. Well, let's just look at you know what and are you interested in? Everyone what do you can order eat? from a different place, exactly. And and I mean, you know, it's also you can you can schedule it. So you can say, oh, hey, you know, I know we're going to want to do this at six because we have a tight schedule. So let's all you know plan that plan ahead, and it could you know it's it's a convenience thing you're paying for um, because you do have to pay another human being to go run around and do all that work. But for you know, you. I look at the the price that you pay for that because it's a pretty good deal, and I do wonder about those people who are 
are the contract employees providing that service. Yeah. They're really not making a lot of money. Yeah, there have been a, a lot, I mean, a lot of articles, a lot of studies about that. And it's, I mean, it's not exactly clear uh, because, again, some of the differences, you know, you say, oh, you know, this Uber driver made, you know, $50,000 this year. Well, okay, so again, bear in mind, 15% of that straight away out the window. Um, part of that's there, and, and part of that's, you know, okay, how much was he? Or, you know, was he having to work 12 hour days, 16 hour days? Was he you know, sleeping in his car because he's just like waiting for someone to, to hit him on the app? So. A lot of questions there about what it really means. All right, let's get a call in before our next break. We say good morning to Christopher in Ocean Springs. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. Uh, yes, good morning. I uh, love your show, first off. Uh, I wanted to call because I am in the medical field. I work at a hospital here on the Gulf Coast. But to supplement my income, I um, work at the same hospital as a contractor on the weekends. And I just wanted to mention that I do not get the benefits um, working my contract work, but my pay is substantially higher working mm-hmm. with them on the weekends. Um, and in addition to that, um, uh, like I said, I don't get the pay, but you kind of briefed on this earlier. Um, the I found myself in a trouble a couple of years ago before I kind of realized what was happening. They weren't taking my state taxes out. So when I did my end-of-year taxes the past few years, I had to um, end up paying the state because of my contract work. Mm-hmm. And that's right. my comment there. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. I mean, again, kind of highlights one often with contract work, they're not doing the payroll withholding um, like you would expect with a regular paycheck. And you can get surprised. Yeah. But there are I mean, that's awesome. You know, there are a lot of opportunities, even even beyond just that tax difference to to get paid substantially more, because often, especially something like a hospital, they're going to use contract labor to kind of fill little gaps where it's just harder to get people for. And if it's harder to find people to work on the weekends, they're probably going to be more willing to pay them a little more. And it, it may be, you know, you have to look at it uh, you, have, you have to be a little careful with that because also uh, contract work can be used to avoid paying someone overtime. So if Christopher is working 40 hours during the week, if they asked him to work uh, one more point. hour, yeah. he would most likely, I mean, just, to, you know, that does also depend on his salary. He might be out of, the, you know, I don't know what his salary is. Um, they would have to pay him at least time and a half anyway, um, but still take care of that payroll. So you you have to look at that, you know, are they doing it just to avoid some obligations that they might have otherwise? Um, but li- like he pointed out, it's, it's, a, it's a great opportunity for both the employee to pick up some extra hours when they can, and the employer to fill some weird gaps that they wouldn't have been able to fill easily otherwise. But you're only going to see those advantages <clears throat> of, of higher pay in situations, as you say, where the demand yeah. is great, uh, where there's a special skill yeah. that you bring to the table. Yeah, or the seasonality. There's a lot of places that just kind of hire you for the Christmas season or whatever. Um, they might not necessarily do the full-time, you know, set up with HR, payroll. So they're just like, hey, we just need someone for two weeks. Come on in, fill it up. And, and then uh, just coming back from the beach, that's the other thing, is the summertime employees. I saw a lot of Absolutely. You know, temporarily hiring, hiring things there as well. Absolutely. Okay, time for another break. When we get back, we'll continue uh, looking for your personal finance questions, first and foremost. 
foremost, but also talking about the gig economy. If you have a phone, a question that is, give us a call. The number is one eight seven seven MPB ring. Our phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Send an email to money at mpbonline.org. How many workers are involved in the gig economy? We'll let you know when we get back from the break. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. To Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. I'm Kevin Farrell, along with Dr. Nancy Lotter Janderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. Nancy and Ryder are both chartered financial analysts, and Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. We've been looking for your personal finance questions, as we do each Tuesday, but also talking about the gig economy, uh, the side hustle, as it were, part-time jobs uh, that people have, second jobs that they use uh, to supplement their income. If you'd like to join the conversation with a phone call, the number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 Email the show. Send it to money at mpbonline.org. Interesting fact, more than one in four workers are in the gig economy. That's according to gigeconomydata.org. So mm-hmm. what is that? It's 25%. So that's uh, that's interesting. That's a really high number. Do we know if that's more or less than before? Or and does that include folks like Christopher, who is in both the gig economy and the... Do we have a, a cool term for the non-gig economy? Like the, the the desk economy, the <laughs> the, the drudgery, sh- the, the show up at work economy, <laughs> the forty for the forty club, the forty hour. That was, no, well, that's the good. Forty hour, the, for, the forty hour economy. <laughs> yeah. That's good. See, we're, we're going to have to come up with one. We can. We we're onto something here. Um, okay, so here's an email that says, I'm in serious need of personal finance advice. Do you have suggestions for where to begin looking? Are there any free financial advisors in the area? Well, we don't know what the area is, is exactly. Somewhere in Mississippi. If you but, can hear uh, our voice, just call in with your questions. But well, where I, might I, someone if go? If you've got somebody who needs um, really more time, they need a, a they have a more complicated situation, they really need to look for an hourly person uh, around them. Maybe talk yeah. to CPAs to see if there's a fee-only hourly person, a financial planner. Um, there used to be a company in the state that dealt with people uh, having budgetary issues and worked with them on an income basis. I don't know if we have an office still left here. Chris Burford, who mm-hmm. was on the show with us mm-hmm. for years, uh, worked for them, but then they closed up shop here in the Jackson area. But um, look around um, Look around for nonprofits that might give you some direction on somebody who would could sit down with you and help you because this sounds like it may be complicated enough that you need an hour or two of somebody's time to help you sort it out. 
Yeah, uh, uh, Chris Burford, our former uh, host, was a credit counselor, so you might could Google that uh, phrase and see what comes up, or maybe possibly plug in personal finance advisor. Um, either would work, um, but usually your nonprofits in the area who are working uh, with lower income people have some resources and they can send you to some people. All right. Um, so we've been talking about uh, side jobs, the gig economy, um, and uh, we talked a little bit about uh, delivery drivers. A couple of other ones here on the list. Uh, you can rent your extra space. Um, you can sell stuff online. That uh, There's a Poshmark and Vinted are a couple of examples there. Um, micro jobs. This is an interesting one. There's a number of websites that really are kind of, when you look at them, geared towards the employer. But it is a way for employees that have some sort of special skill uh, that they're trying to market. Uh, they can post their information on these websites. And then when an employer needs someone, they go to the same website and can pick them out. And I believe the way a lot of that works, it's the the independent contractor, the freelancer, whatever the term would be, can pick their own rate and everything. But again, obviously, they would have to try to be competitive uh, with, what, mm-hmm. with what others are posting. But there were a number of sites that uh, that I noticed that, are, that do that. Fiverr, F-I-V-E-R-R, uh, is one of those. Uh, any thoughts on, on that way of sort of supplementing income? Well, I think that's fine, but I think it needs to be a supplement to a full-time job. I think you're going to um, fool yourself if you think you're just going to make do with gigs because uh, you're counting on them being continuous and you lose all of those benefits and the tax support that comes with your employer portion that is paid into Social Security. So be careful with that. And I I would also think, you know... uh I would say you, you can use these to, to for full-time work, but you need to be really realistic with yourself. One, if you're going to use it for full-time work to make a full-time income, you're probably going to be working full-time. It's going to be hard work, and you're going to have to put a lot of effort into it. And you're going to have to be disciplined mm-hmm. about setting aside money for your taxes. And Yes, because you're not having someone else take care of the benefits for you. You're going to have to make sure you take care of those benefits. And also, you know, what you know, just kind of think about this, particularly Fiverr. So a lot of times on Fiverr, you know, we've used Fiverr to get a graphic designer to just sketch up a logo for us or something or or make uh, make some, you know, a snippet of music for you or clean up an audio file. It's things that are deliverable over the Internet. You know, they could reformat a paper for you or something. And if you if if you plan on making a business out of that, you know, there are plenty of people who make their livings as graphic designers using uh, being deliberate about using your time as as a freelancer here to kind of build your experience, reputation, and customer base because you're going to find folks who they're going to come back to you for more work. And, uh, you know, turning that into a real business, again, if you want it to be a full-time job with full-time pay, you're going to have to be working full-time on it. It's, It's running your own business at that point. All right, uh, back to the phone lines we go. Uh, Christopher on the line again from Ocean Springs. Good morning, Christopher. Go ahead. Hey, good morning once again. Um, I just had one more comment. It seems like you just touched on it. Um, about seven years ago, my wife was in the medical field with me. She started an Etsy shop. Uh, it was just kind of a side gig. Mm-hmm. But she is um, about five years ago quit her job because she was making more money doing that than, than what she was doing at the hospital. So um, a side gig can turn into a popular uh, position for you. 
Awesome. Right. Yeah. Thanks, Chris, for calling back. That's a, another good point. And again, I think as, if you have a special skill or have a talent for photography or drawing or, or those sorts of mm-hmm. things uh, that you could do it. The other one, I think that sort of an old fashioned way of doing that would be to maybe get in the the uh, circuit for those you know festivals and things where you always find the the Crafts vendors, vendors. Yeah. yeah and and i think that's a great point that you know she was cool i wish we had kept wanting to ask him about the craft or whatever she was making or doing but you know that's something where etsy just just kind of opened up uh her available market it just uh, exposed her to more customers that you just wouldn't have gotten if you're just you know uh hanging out at local festivals and stuff which is one way to expose yourself to customers but Etsy, I mean, there's you know, there's millions of people looking at that every day. Uh, one more before we go to break. Uh, participate in a research study or a focus group. Now, to me, a focus group sounds like a lot of fun. I'm not sure I want to be in a research study, getting the you know, <laughs> you know get the experimental <laughs> zapped or something. Does that hurt, Kevin? <laughs> but uh, you know, like I said, focus groups seem like they would be kind of fun. And it uh, apparently uh, you can maybe. How would you get on that list? Is any? I mean, is there a, something you could send me? Uh, I thought those only happened when you were walking through the mall. <laughs> And somebody stopped you and said, please come over here into this room and answer these questions. I think you're right. The only time I ever got approached was when I was visiting my brother once in New York City. But it was the day that I, I'd been there all week. And then, of course, she caught us on the day I was leaving. So we didn't get a chance to do that. But All right. Let's take one final break this hour. When we get back, we will continue uh, looking for your personal finance questions and also wrapping up our discussion on the uh, gig economy. Uh, what are some drawbacks to the gig economy? We'll tell you when our last segment begins after this short break, so stay tuned. to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotter-Janderson, President of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. We've been talking about the gig economy as well as taking your personal finance questions this morning. If you have a phone, if you'd like to make a phone call, still time to work it in before the end of the hour at one mpb ring Our phone number is one 672 7464 According to surveys, the major challenges reported by participants in the gig economy economy, financial volatility, and access to benefits. So mm, yeah. uh, I think we've kind of mentioned a couple of those or both of those throughout the hour. Uh, one other thing uh, our producer, Liz Gill, uh, pointed out or found for us was that the Department of Labor has announced that it's issued a new opinion that addresses the issue of whether an employee of a company uh, is an employee of a company or an independent contractor. Now, I sort of carelessly kind of threw out a couple of terms um, as if they were exactly synonymous, but I guess from maybe a legal standpoint, 
an employee and an independent contractor and a consultant, those all might mean something slightly different? They can. And there has long been a definition that employers were supposed to follow as far as a six who factor is test. your employee versus who can you count as a contractor. And uh, but, but because we've had this growth of the gig economy and these companies who are using more and more independent contractors, that's why we have a new opinion on this. And um, I don't know if this is really trying to allow for more of that or if they're cracking down. It's not quite clear to me based on this. What do you think, Ryder? Um, I, so one thing it does say, it, it, it does reiterate that most folks who are, you know, you know, if you're working through an app, you are an independent contractor. I think one of the big issues, we saw this a number of years ago with Uber drivers in California. You know, it's because, you know, once, they, once folks were moving, and possibly the thing that's new and unusual about the gig economy, is folks are depending on it for their kind of full, all of their income. And you see that with people who are, say, they're full-time Uber drivers or something like that. And so they start, you know, hey, if I'm doing this full-time, if this is my only gig, if this is my only income, you know, I should be true. I should get some more benefits. You know, I, I, they, they need more. I mean, you need more if that's your only job. If someone else isn't providing your health care, isn't helping you with retirement, isn't helping you file your taxes, um, you, you need more more than just someone who's just like doing it for fun on the weekends. Um, But the Department of Labor... There's a there's a six factor test which has things like you know how much the employee has control over their own work schedule is one thing. Um, let's see the amount of the worker's investment in facilities, equipment, or other helpers. You know how permanent that relationship is, how easy it is to enter and exit that that workforce relationship. That sort of things, those sort of things are the test. And so um, this was specifically talking about what they called virtual marketplace companies, um, but. But they, let's see, it it does say somewhere in there that they reiterated uh, they are considered independent contractors for the most part. And the big reason why there's such a fuss about this is obviously uh, employees of a company have different benefits and are treated differently than an independent Absolutely. contractor. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, if you moved from uh, a case where, you know, say you work for a taxi company. Um, well, I don't know how taxi companies actually work. But, you know, say, you know, you were a salaried employee doing something. And then, you know, uh, you know, an Uber or a Lyft or a, or a DoorDash of some sort came along and was like, hey, you're doing this thing. How about you do it for us? Except you work on your own schedule and and you can make as much or as little as you want because you can control your own schedule. It sounds nice, and you move to it and you start doing it, but then you start realizing that there are, again, like we said, there are benefits to being an employee that you are no longer getting. And, and you know, some some people don't mind. You know, sometimes that's, that's a feature that you want. Um, but as you pointed out, those are also some of the biggest problems is that and you're responsible for And the biggest one is, things. you know, if you don't work, you don't eat. Right. There's no paid vacation. Right. It's all up to you. Um, and being able to get customers. You're not necess- If you're an Uber driver, um, you can sit there in your car and... If nobody wants to ride in your car, you're you're not going to get paid. Um, you, you know, if you're working for um, a delivery service, which is you know only engages you when someone orders a product, uh, that's a lot different from working in a store and just maybe like having some really boring downtime. 
Yeah, I mean, because I agreed with, with again what Nancy said. If you if you don't work, you don't eat. That sort of thing. So again, I think also I think you said earlier, Nancy, is these make a lot of more sense. I think when it's it is really is a side gig and it's something that you're doing to supplement your nine to five. I guess my well, that, that that's my concern. Um, even in looking at this new opinion, <laughs> is that we're still giving more. Um, um, control support uh, to yeah. the employers, and there are a lot of employers, corporations who are taking advantage of this gig economy. I mean, their whole business model is based on a gig yeah. economy, and they have more leverage, more bargaining power uh, than each of those individual contractors, and you know, that's uh, a problem. I, I think there. A lot of times, the even kind of small benefits of, of, of a workplace where you are a salaried employee um, go. It's 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 easy for you to go a long time as an independent contractor without realizing what those benefits are. You know, uh, I mean, you aren't going to realize the benefit of having a retirement plan <laughs> for, another, you need for another thirty or forty years. You're not going to realize the benefit of somebody else taking you know helping you with your health insurance until you need your health insurance, which you know could be several years. You're not going to realize the benefit of someone helping you, you know, withhold taxes and give you detailed information until on your April paycheck 15th. until April 15th the next year. And you're not going to realize the benefit of having, you know, uh, a safe work environment where, you know, an employer is responsible of making sure that the lights are turned on and, and there's not broken glass on the floor until until you hurt yourself. And it's just like, ooh, sorry. Or what that, about liability? That looks bad, yeah. you know. Uh, yeah. Or, or you. You, you make a mistake with a customer and it's and it's your fault now and it's not you don't have somebody who can help you make that better you don't realize those benefits which aren't explicitly like you know package benefits with your 401k and not um, so just, I would say if you don't want to be a self-employed person <laughs> yeah then be a full-time employee yeah if well, you have that option. Because I think as, as Ryder's pointing out that when you sign up to be an Uber driver for example I don't think they send you a thing that says, oh, by the way, make sure that you pay all your taxes or whatever. So right. And I would say, again, own. we've got uh, our unemployment rate will be released on Friday at 3.9%. There are plenty of options to be full-time employees right now. All righty. Uh, that is just about going to wrap us up for today. Just a reminder, we always like to get your personal finance questions via email, money at mpbonline.org. But if you ever hear of something fun, personally finance related that you'd like to hear us talk about on our side gig when we talk about things to kind of help fill the hour between your phone calls, let us know. We're always interested in what you want us to talk about on Money Talks, which is, by the way, a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from you our listeners. One way to hear today's show or a previous show is to go to mpbonline.org slash money talks. Or you can listen to our podcast. Just search for Money Talks on your favorite podcast app. Our show is produced by Liz Gill and our call screener is Java Chapman. So for Dr. Nancy Lotter-Janderson and Ryder Taff, I'm Kevin Farrell. Stay tuned up next at 10. It's in legal terms. And we'll be back next Tuesday at 9 for another Money Talks heard only on MPB Think Radio.
Support for MPB comes from Trustmark, offering a range of mortgage, affordable housing, refinancing, and construction financing options designed to serve the needs of its customers. More info at Trustmark.com slash mortgage. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.